Welcome to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, Torah with a Point of View, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, America's first Jewish institution of higher learning. My name is Joshua Holo, your host and dean of the Jack H. Skirball Campus in Los Angeles. I'm very excited to welcome my new friend, Imam Abdullah Antepli, who is the Chief Representative of Muslim Affairs at Duke University and Adjunct Faculty of Islamic Studies. He's also a Senior Fellow at the Shalom Hartman Institute in Jerusalem, where he co-directs, together with Yossi Klein Halevi, the Muslim Leadership Initiative. Imam Antepli, thank you for joining us. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. I want to ask you a question as, as a Muslim leader. I believe that the Jewish experience in America was a laboratory for the Enlightenment experiment. We American Jews are in passionate love with that same thing. And because we are, forgive the phrase, white enough, and because we came to this country with enough Enlightenment baggage of our own, but at the same time were different enough, we were able to provide a palatable challenge, a test, to push the envelope of the Enlightenment experiment already now 150 years or, or, or more. Right. And, and that, was a, that was an acceptable experiment because we pushed hard enough, but not too hard. You didn't so, overplay your hands. We didn't overplay our hands, but we, we came conveniently with a certain set of skills and a certain orientation that when we played our hands pretty fully, right. we were still able to, to, to both push and be accessible, be, be accessible to the majority and, and access the majority. Okay. I think that's a broad picture of the story of, um, of American Jewish success, both for America and for Judaism. Right. Tell me, looking forward, what will Islam bring to this country for its test? Mm-hmm. How will it find the right balance? What does Islam or Muslim culture bring to the United States of comparable balance between pushing the envelope and buying into the existing system? Right. It's a profound question, and it has two parts to it. One, what the American Muslim communities is potentially able to offer and contribute and negotiate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think to me the second is more important, what the context, the larger American society is able to receive it. Because communication and relationship always goes both ways. I think the Jewish success also primarily and significantly because of Holocaust, because of the millennium-long despicable anti-Semitism, and this society's ability to move the furniture in their mind and say, we are going to heal from this poison. We are not going to repeat this millennium-long hate which destroyed us, which brought us all that disastrous stuff. That recognition of the context itself was significantly very important. Otherwise, I don't think Jewish community could have made that much inroads because the society for admirably Quite honestly, I think the 20th century's biggest miracle. Yeah, uh, biggest tragedy, biggest miracle. Where we moved from gas chambers to Seinfeld, from uh, Auschwitz to Bernie Sanders. It's incredible. Look at Bernie Sanders' Jewish identity. It's not even a topic. Nobody talks about it. Well, you could also argue that it's a very weak Jewish identity, and that might be... But look at Obama's Muslim identity. It's a fake identity. Yeah, right, right. right. Just, after just, eight just, years of e- eating pork, <laughs> after eight years of uh, baptizing and going celebrating to church, Christmas, 29%. Yeah. 29% of Americans, and in certain states like Alabama, Mississippi, 44%. In certain parties, it's 60 70%. After eight years of a presidency and assumed delusional, deceptive Muslim identity of right, 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 Mr. Right. Obama is, is an issue. Right, uh, right. That's what I'm saying. 
if you look from a different perspective, it's really an incredible glory. I think one of the most moving psalms, uh, when God says to Moses, uh, tell people to, tell children of Israel to collect me gifts. Yeah. Um, like, how can one give a gift to God? What would make Hashem smile? And I think the reconciliation of Western Christianity in its own soul search after Holocaust through Vatican II, but more, a lot of work is being done. I want to emphasize that Jewish success, I'm talking not in a protocols of elders of Zion. I understand, of course. Jewish admirable inroads is also why they weren't able to do this in the last 2,000 years. Not only right, Jew, the Jewish it's community. It's not an accident that it <laughs> no, happened. Yeah. The context, the Western society said, uh, we're going to heal from this. Right, because of the, not they just had, because of the Holocaust, by the way, it's the Enlightenment itself. We can't just pinpoint one. But going back to your question, in the absence of, I hope, no real conflict, it is no secret that the, after the fall of the Soviet Russia, Islam as a one bloc has been introduced as a potential international enemy to the Judeo-Christian civilization. It's very problematic. The clash of civilization of narrative since George W. Bush era, it had resonance, and it has a lot to do with what's of going on in the Muslim world. What you see in the Muslim world today is almost identical version of European Dark Ages. What you see in the Muslim world is a civilizational collapse. And by the end of the First World War, if you see all Muslim majority countries, they basically were under European colonial operation. Right, the mandate. In the 1940s, they got rid of the European colonial powers, but still suffering in the hands of their own dictators. Many of them are incapable of producing a secular functioning democracy. For even when world. they protest radical yeah. secularism <clears throat> or even Soviet-styled quasi-socialist secularism, right. it didn't, it couldn't, even Ataturk couldn't really <clears throat> penetrate beyond Istanbul and uh, into the Turkish hinterland. Because, and, because he was such a typical dictator. Right. Was, yeah, right exactly. uh, what European enlightenment has achieved in 300 years, he thought he could do it in 10 years. Right, right, right. Uh, like what we did in Iraq. We point a gun and says, democratize, otherwise right. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works. So I am still analyzing your question in terms of uh, what Muslim Americans can contribute and yes. what kind of a respectful space they can carve in yeah. the American society. We have one disadvantage of our connection and affiliation with the global world, global Muslim ummah, which is in complete mess. Which is incomplete, and it will take. You're speaking of American Islam <clears throat> in relation to non-American Islam. Yeah, in relation to the Muslim majority world. Wow. Uh, every morning, I wake up in the morning. My wife and I, and many Muslim Americans, our decision to send our children to school is depending on the headlines. Oy. There are. If what have happened, something in Afghanistan and Pakistan or Israel, Palestine, uh, will this affect our decision? Like we have to plan our day and reconfirm in the morning. Very similar. You know, there were no Jewish terrorists. There was no Jewish evil people hijacking planes and getting into buildings. But if you look 1930s America, the Jewish reality here were seen as a fifth column. They were seen as a continuation of some global conspiracy. Yeah. The American Jews were never treated as equal citizens in their own rights. They were always affiliated with some, some sort of... An, same thing with the Catholics. I think this is a That's true. very primal American weaknesses of when they marginalize and dehumanize collective and minority, usually it manifests itself as they are just not fully American because they have some sort of a loyalty or connection. Right, right, there's a string outside. The as if my, as American as apple pie, two children have anything to do with what happens in the mountains of Afghanistan. So that context will be an incredible challenge, but an opportunity. If the American Muslim community wise enough, if the American Muslim community, like the Jewish community, knows where to invest 
and invest in their future generations in such a diversified way. Not only see American dream as just sending your children to medical school, but also see a moral civic responsibility right. in producing public currency, public figures. Right. Philanthropy, Con the arts, exactly. the politics, the whole thing. Everything was going almost relatively well. We are about four to five million people in the United States. About two-thirds of did, us... I'm sorry, did you say four to five? Four to five. Okay. Four or five million so, Muslims living in the United States. So uh, one and a half percent of the American population. Right. But it's growing. It's right, growing. Right. And out of this five million people, one-third of us are African-American. So we are as American as it gets. But this one-third reflects all the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the dilemmas and the delights of the African-American experience in this country. Sure. So it's very different. And two-thirds of us came after 1965. It's a very recent immigrant community. Until 9-11, between 65 to 2001, if you look our ability to integrate, our ability to move from graduate student into suburbs, our ability to send our children to top 20 schools. It's very similar to the Jewish experience. And that, that success is still going on. It's an incredibly impressive integration experience. So one, until the 2001, you could say the American Muslim community is on its way to become the next American Jewish community. Right. They are becoming more and more American. They are, they are amassing wealth. They are power, and they're on their way to become and integrate themselves into the right, mainstream to, to America. Be, to both be and be viewed as constructive part Right, part. but 9-11 changed tremendously. Neither the American Muslim community nor the American society at large, they were not ready for that kind of challenge. They were not None ready. None of us was, right, of course. Yeah, they were, American Muslim community was not ready to be the ambassador and a teacher and resource into the whole world of Islam, 1.6 billion of us, and 1,400 years of our history. And the American society, Islam has been part of American story from day one. But for many Americans, for the first time, they really thought about Islam. For the first time, this religion, its theology, its members, its fellow American citizens who are members of that religion, for the first time, they had a, many Americans, not all. They thought about this after 9-11. Their introduction to religion of Islam is through the lenses of heinous, barbaric, savage, terrorist incident and whatever followed after that. That 9-11 sort of imposed that international enemy narrative, clash of civilization narrative, so strongly. Yeah. And the kind of irresponsible shock and the irresponsible reaction to 9-11, Islam is evil, Muslims are terrorists, Islam is evil. This has been repeated enough a number of times that the both American Muslim communities' ability to become mainstream negotiate a respectful space in American society, contribute to American society, and American society's ability to receive whatever Muslim community can contribute has become incredibly difficult. But I think what could have been incredibly a shallow uh, American dream experience before 9-11, which was measured, the measure of success was your car, car, size of your house, right, your ability to send your children to Ivy League schools, etc. Right. I think this forces American Muslim community saying, the ticket to becoming as American as apple pie is not as cheap as we That's thought, right. and we have to really work within our soul to really uh, negotiate harder, both the continuity and the change. Really do a deep soul search and force American community at large, put an honest mirror in front of them, the way the Jews, the Catholics, and the African Americans in the past did. What their reaction to Islam, what their rejection of Islam uh, is, is saying about themselves and how they are in violation, in contradiction of their own American of their values, own values by rejecting right. American, but also Muslims.
One of the reasons I am showing up in every Jewish incident and Jewish event is American Muslim community has to confront its uh, ability to understand and come to terms with certain aspects of our understanding of Israeli-Palestinian conflict, our understanding of Israel as a secular nation state, our understanding of Zionism as an expression of nationalism and a self-identity. I think in many ways this is quite understandable, but rationally it, it makes a lot of sense, but it's absolutely unacceptable that our understanding of these terms uh, through the lenses of Palestinian suffering, Israeli, which is real, Palestinian suffering is absolute, it's not fake. It's not hawks. It is, it is real. But the homework to my community is to unlearn many of the things that we learned in the past. Because we only have focused and saw things through one particular view, which may or may not be accurate. But at the same time, it disabled us to see how Jews, how especially American Jewish communities, understand Judaism, Zionism, and Israel. I think in the way in which we our solidarity, admirable solidarity, which we will never compromise to Palestinian suffering, inevitably and sometimes unintentionally has pumped certain level of anti-Semitism, which is often masked uh, by anti-Zionism and anti-Israeli sentiments. But deep down, it is, it is anti-Semitism. It's very difficult for a lot of Muslim community members to even recognize this as such. Like many well, Muslims, of course, they don't want to recognize because they don't see themselves as anti-Semites. Exactly. They? Many Muslims, many Muslims says, "I'm not an anti-Semite. Right, right. I'm an anti-Zionist. I'm an anti-Israeli." But what is criticizing a state of Israel and its policies, and what is anti-Semitism? These are two different things. But many people in my community do not know the so, difference and how to navigate. Or they, but, or they don't bother to navigate. Yes. It, it, by it, the way, it, it requires a lot of recovery. It and, requires a lot of learning. And by the way, we on our side don't always bother to separate those things out when they need to be separated out. So you're acknowledging that they often overlap. Overlap. Uh, uh, and more than we would like. knowingly and or unknowingly, irresponsibly cross that border. Right, exactly. <clears throat> and, and, and now Jews will routinely point to the overlap and therefore use the overlap as an excuse to deny the possibility of non-anti-Semitic anti-Zionism. Yes. And, and, yes. And, and I think that if, if you're acknowledging that Muslims need to do the work of, of recognizing the overlap so they can see their own anti-Semitism. We Jews need to do the work of seeing where they don't overlap and distinguishing Absolutely. between people whom we have to call anti-Semites because they are harming both American values and our Jewish safety, which we have a right to defend, but we have to recognize the legitimacy of anti-Zionism. Yeah. We can't expect Palestinian partisans to be Zionists. I mean, it's not reasonable. <laughs> or you can't equate any criticism to the state of Israel as anti-Semitism. You can. Right, right. You have to give people a well, space. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to grant more. <laughs> I'm willing to say anti-Zionism can be non-anti-Semitic. Right. It's very hard for us to disentangle. And you're saying, yes, it's very hard for us to disentangle. So there's an opportunity for both of us to work to disentangle, to recognize. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm telling to my community, and it's very difficult, it creates all sorts of controversies with the existing level of anti-Semitism, yeah. with the existing level of stubbornness to refusing to learn. You don't have to agree, but refusing to learn how you see yourself. Right. For, like, I'm telling my community, the whole world is imposing definition on us. The whole world is trying to define, and we are not in charge of our own conversation. We know how painful it is that people are defining what Islam is, what Muslims are all about, what Quran is all about. And now we return the favor <laughs> right. and define you, Zionism is racism. 
Israel is nothing but a Western colonial land grabbing. Right. With that level of anti-Semitism in different, not in everybody, but in a spectrum way, this is a very common problem. I'm only giving this as an example. We will never become a mainstream. America will never accept us. We will never be able to contribute. Going back to your original question, Islam brings incredible depth of generosity, incredible depth of... It's a very culture-friendly religion. If you look, it was born in 700 and in two, 300 years became a world empire. It produced almost like a liquid. It took the shape and color of every vessel that it got mm-hmm. in. And it produced, if that society is economically, socially, politically, spiritually, and emotionally healthy, Islamic values of justice, compassion, charity in China, in Indonesia, in India, in Turkey, in the Balkans, you see this when the societies are healthy. It allowed Islam to reveal its best. And that's why I came to the United States. I fell in love with the society before 9-11. Compared to places that I have been, I said, here is one country, if we can make it work, it can help us reveal the best of Islam. You will see the best of Islamic theology manifesting itself in intellectual rigor, hospitality, culture of disagreement, like it happened in many many parts of the world. Islam has many unique contributions to make if it can indigenize itself authentically, if it can indigenize, yeah, yeah, if it can become a homegrown American reality without complete assimilation, without complete sort of diffusing itself. Right, right. I use, I use the, the terms assimilation versus acculturation. Right. Assimilation means you give up your identity. Mm-hmm. Acculturation means you adopt a cultural idiom and sense of belonging as an expression of your uh, identity. So it's a, that's exactly. what we aim for. You use those tools that America is giving it to you as Catholics and Jewish right, community right, right. in many beautiful ways done. And you, with, with the same uh, melody, you just basically articulate what this language of Islam, the moral framework that God has revealed to Muhammad, is all about in the 21st century. Before we return to the bully pulpit, we want to tell you about other programs on the College Commons platform for digital learning. Beyond this podcast, which is available to the public at large, Synagogue subscriptions offer in-depth learning, including online courses, live interviews, and a new program called The Teaching Podcast, selected episodes from the Bully Pulpit enhanced with texts and teaching tools. We look forward to meeting you at collegecommons.huc.edu. Now, back to, oh, one more thing. Help us out and rate us in iTunes. And whatever you do, do not give us five stars, unless we deserve it. Now, Back to our podcast. What can the Jewish community do to help bring uh, American Muslims past anti-Semitism to, 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 to join us as a successful minority for the sake of the American vision and for the sake of better relations between right. uh, Jews and Muslims, maybe even as a model? It, it lacks in humility for a Muslim to say or tell what Jews should do. And I think in many ways the Jewish community is doing an admirable work, being in solidarity with their Muslim brothers and sisters, especially in this climate of hate. But as a, as a friend of the Jewish community, as someone who tried to earn that respect and, uh, and friendship, uh, we have to find out a way in the United States how we can stop importing despair, polarization, and division from Israel-Palestine to the United States. American Muslims, by and large, and American Jews, unfortunately, in the last couple of decades, We have been playing, for the most part, a kind of proxy war with each other, a zero-sum game, where we pretend to just get along when we ignore what divides us, Israel-Palestinian conflict, Um, or 
we get into shouting matches over Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Like we have to bring our relationship to a level of maturity where we can actually come to terms with how we understand this conflict. And in that, Muslim communities, again, moral homework, try to understand Israel, Zionism, and American Jewish communities loyal to that project in a different light. The Jewish communities maybe responsibility and homework is understanding the Palestinian suffering in a different way. That that homecoming project, that biblical fulfillment of the biblical dream that Jews going back to their ancestral land has caused enorm enormous amount of pain and death and destruction without necessarily feeling guilty about that homecoming. There is a way in which we can develop a moral language without defensiveness where we can we can speak about yeah, that. Right, right, no, we can talk about the fact that our dream has caused pain yeah. to others. And the success of our dream has exacted a cost, both from us, because it was an expensive dream for us, but certainly sure. from the Palestinian people. And by the way, I don't think it matters. Much of the Jewish discourse that is more hawkish picks a fight with the term people for the Palestinians. And I think that that is yeah. semantics. It's irrelevant right. because I don't think it needs to be an historical controversy for us to acknowledge that I'm a proud Zionist. When I go to Israel to, to, to see and speak Hebrew everywhere and to live the fabric of Jewish life in, in our sovereign state to me is, is a legitimate, powerful, and, 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 and enlivening dream for my life. And I want to pursue it, but I will never deny, I don't see why we have to deny that it caused, it had consequences. There was a war, there was displacement, there was pain, there remains to there's be suffering. There's a 50 years occupation. It's, there's an <clears throat> occupation. I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you that we have to be able to talk about it. And, and I, <clears throat> My community needs a little bit more help. You're an educator and needs a little bit more education. The beautiful articulation of that love and affiliation and connection that you just said about Israel and that part of the land, my community's exposure to that connection, mostly as a post-Holocaust reality. We right, only yes. know Zionism and Israel as a born, response to born out of Auschwitz. Right. We don't know, because well, by the way, where you are coming is, your Zionism is not was no, born no, in Auschwitz, no, 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 it was no. born in Sinai. That's right. There is a biblical religious connection mm -hmm. to the land, which is part of Jewish By the way, DNA. not just from <clears throat> Sinai every generation along the way. Yes. The Holocaust is the least of it. And mm -hmm. in internal Jewish conversations, which, by the way, we also speak about the Holocaust, mm. I avoid that. I say the Holocaust has nothing to do with Zionism. Zionism, A, predates the Holocaust, but B, Zionism is merely a reflection of 2,000 years of consistent history. Yeah, yeah but my community doesn't... doesn't so, so, we, so, need, we need help, and you need our help to, to understand right. uh, the, the kind of dynamics this is one thing. There are two types of conversations between Jews and Muslims. One, we intentionally and deliberately don't talk about Israeli-Palestinian conflict. One, we debate Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Right, right, and right. both are suffocating us. Both are further polarizing us. Both are giving rise to Muslim anti-Semitism and Jewish Islamophobia. This is one thing that we need each other's help. Secondly, there are parts of the Jewish community, unfortunately after 9-11, has very quickly jumped into the whole rising anti-Muslim, anti-Islam bigotry in, the, in this country. And unfortunately, they define Judaism, Zionism, and Israel for my community. People who are almost uh, no one in the Jewish community, 
who are but who are in the business of deliberately and intentionally trying to spread hate against Islam and Muslims, trying to keep the cloud of fear and suspicion around American Muslim community, doing intentional and deliberately fabricating information, etc. You know, many of those people are. I understand that rising anti-Muslim bigotry has a very significant Jewish footprint. There is a very significant Jewish involvement in the deliberate Islamophobia industry. And I think the Jewish community, as I am asking my community, we have to defeat anti-Semitism. This anti-Semitism, as it exists in the Muslim community, as it's growing in the Muslim community, it's going to, first of all, it will destroy us. Because as Islam and Torah teaches us, hate first destroys the bearer. The bearer. It, it erodes your morals. It reveals the worst of your religion. And hate shouldn't go unchallenged. It will always exist. We cannot completely wipe out. But it shouldn't have that kind of free flow. It shouldn't have millions of dollars of support. It shouldn't keep the public platform. Or the people who condemn this should be speaking louder. Unfortunately, the Pamela Gellers of the world, yeah, Sheldon Edelson's of the world, David Yerushalmi, like David Yerushalmi, nobody knows this guy in the Jewish community. But he single-handedly wrote every single anti-Sharia bill introduced in 47 states and accepted in 27 of them. Right. Is, he's a halakha-observing religious Jew right. living in Brooklyn. Somehow single, he is one of the most well-known. Similarly, the Muslim anti-Semites is defining Islam and Muslims for many, many Jews, unfortunately. Yeah, and lack of interaction between mainstream Jewish leaders and the Muslim leaders is giving uh, it's making, an opening for yeah, the making us the, very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Very, in that, I have to say this. American Jewish community and Muslim community, as a result of this unfortunate deterioration in relationship and polarization, lack of access to mainstream community leaders, etc., what we have done in the last 20 years, which is suicidal, we are shooting ourselves in the head, is we started investing in each other's renegades. I am already anti-Semitic sufficiently. What Jew will come and validate and put a kosher seal on this anti-Semitism? There are so many. There are so many of those self-hating people who is more than happy to come and validate and reinsert existing stereotypes in the Muslim community and, and in the Jewish community as well. If you look, some of the speakers in this Jewish circles, uh, either they are self-hating Muslims or ex-Muslims <laughs> and celebra <laughs> celebrated. Right, uh, right, right, right. There are so many examples. One of the most painful ones is uh, this son of Hamas. I don't know if you heard yeah, the story. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the sons of the, one of the founders of Hamas somehow got into Israeli jail, somehow convert into apocalyptic weird Christianity, somehow get out of the jail, somehow ends up in the United States. And there is a significant Jewish support in elevating and Right. And highlighting this. It's always a, a <clears throat> tactic, of, a, a, a shallow tactic of uh, adversaries to pick off one person who represents the uh, convert or the. Uh, it's, it's a shallow rhetorical. And it's an old it's game. A, it's, it's, yeah, it yeah. reflects the kind of cheap, as you say, shallow zero sum game that we are playing with each other. Somehow, as if. American Muslim community can play and win zero-sum game against no, right, right, a Jewish right. community. And then somehow, as if the Jewish, these elements within the Jewish community can suffocate and marginalize the American right, Muslim right. community, prevent them becoming a mainstream, which is not possible. You picked up on my passion for Israel, my love for the culture, that, but including the sovereignty. And it would be beautiful if I could, or my, my colleagues could, successfully communicate that to the Muslim community or, or, or individual mosques or communities so that they can empathize and they can identify with, with some of the love. But it's also important, I think, for both sides to be able to 
see the pain of, of the other sure. and to understand that some of those aggressive tendencies in the Jewish community that, that cause you so much pain, to understand that they come from pain, not to justify them, nor to create, no, you did this first, I did this, you know, not to, because that's equally shallow <laughs> juvenile. And, and, and juvenile and, and, and goes absolutely nowhere. Who started I, first? I completely agree <laughs> with you. Right, exactly. A waste of everybody's precious time. But the, the simple fact of pain, see, what, the first thing we do when we dehumanize each other is we, we put blinders onto each other's pain. Sure. I think there are many, many Jews who can, if, if connected to appropriately, who can grasp that it's okay for Yom Ha'atzma'ut mm. to be the Nakba at the same time. Right. And it's not only it doesn't matter if it's okay because it's true. <laughs> we, there's not an alternative. Fact. Right, exactly. It I mean, happens simultaneously. Exactly. <laughs> they're they're co-phenomenal. Right. And and we can get past the game. I think we can get past. Inshallah. 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 As we say, we can and we can only do this with absolutely utmost honesty. I agree. And with some level of confidence. You know what this conflict has made is. Uh, which is a disease, a spiritual and moral disease, it essentialized this conflict. It essentially became the fight between good and evil. Yeah, yeah. My right. side is good and your side is right, evil. Right. Now, my side can never do anything wrong. Right, right. Even so. if I do wrong because we are victims, because we are uh, the weaker part of the equation, we are justified. Somehow our ethical moral failures right. is justified because we are weaker. And then the Jewish community returns the favor because in many ways they feel vulnerable. Of course. The Jewish course. power, Jewish military strength is not a source of hope and confidence. Jewish power's existence, because only with that power they can survive, it keeps Jewish vulnerability and fears and anxieties incredibly alive. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And here, here's how I, I want to put it for the Jewish community. I don't know about the Muslim community. But I think it's important for the Jewish community to be able to, in what feels like a concession, I don't think it's a concession, I think it's, it's just a fact, but it feels like a concession for us, mm -hmm. for many of us, to fully acknowledge uh, the Palestinian suffering and, 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 and all of the political implications. Sure. But that concession should be made, even if it's a distortion to call it a concession, or even if it's just an emotional truth rather than an historical truth to call it a concession. That act of concession is intrinsically an act of confidence and strength, and therefore we should make it. That to me seems to be the ultimate posture of, of power. When we deny the other side that that is actually an act of weakness, that we're coming from, and I think we're past that. I think, put it this way, I think we can afford to get past that, the Jewish community. So, Allah, as we can combine yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so many people do that concession, but immediately they add ends and buts. Same thing with my, my community. Yeah, sure. Like we have to discuss our anti-Semitism, Islamic extremism, violence, despicability and unacceptability of organizations like Hezbollah, Hamas, with no ends and no buts. No ends and no buts. Like, I don't care uh, what the other side is doing. They're right, not my right, moral right. teachers. My moral teacher, Quran and Muhammad, is saying what Hamas and Hezbollah represents is evil, period. And Palestinian suffering is real. There is a decades-long perpetual right. human misery caused as a result of uh, the creation of the state of Israel in many parts of the world. And as a result of 50 years of occupation, finished.
No ends. No right, buts. Right, 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 we are no talking about we are right, talking right. about human suffering, right. uh, which is which is nothing but the reflection of the Jewish ethics, Jewish justice, right, Jewish right. understanding of morality, etc. And we have to make choices because we're going to find in both of our religions the ands and the buts if we look for them. Right. We have to make a choice. You know, my grandfather says. I repeat this probably too much, but I love it too much. My grandfather used to say that religion. His blessed memory. Uh, uh, blessed memory, indeed. <laughs> He used to say that religion is a matter of degree. And that was his way of saying, don't go to extremes. Mm. And I have revised it as I've become an adult to say, religion is a matter of emphasis. Mm. That we, we have everything in all of our traditions. Right. We have a lot of ugliness. Mm -hmm. And we have eternal beauty that has made our civilizations resonate through the ages. Let's choose the, to emphasize the beauty. Let's choose to Beautiful. emphasize the generosity. But I want to I wanna go one step deeper. Uh, your grandfather is a wise man. Uh, there's a beautiful Native American parable. A Native American grandpa gathers these kids for their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah yeah. and says, as you are becoming an adult, there is a bad wolf and a good wolf in you. And that bad wolf and good wolf is always going to fight. There will always be a fight inside between the bad wolf and the good wolf. And the kids always. Which one will win? Will the good wolf or the bad wolf will win? And like your grandfather, that Native American elder says, whichever you feed, whichever you nurture, whichever you invest. So it is true that there is good, the bad, and the ugly in our traditions. But choosing is not an instant thing. It's not a turn on and off. It's a process. It's a process in which which side you have been nurturing, which side you have been feeding, which side you have been putting an emphasis, what kind of a projection and trajectory your moment may not reflect the whole reality. There should be a lifelong commitment. I consider myself a recovering anti-Semite. Why? Because I've been exposed to anti-Semitism and hate early on. Mm. The hate got into my system, my brain tissue, so early. Mm. There were years of my life where I felt Judaism and Jews are irredeemably evil, that they were cursed by God, and there was no good thing come out of this. So, thankfully, God of all mercy and compassion didn't let me live with that kind of poison but my recovery is not okay I don't believe that that's not true anymore. Right, 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 right. I have to just commit myself to an ethical moral struggle of a like life, a diet. life yeah, long yeah. we should never sell people cheap solutions because what divides us what polarizes us these conflicts are for real and we have real issues it's not a matter of simple choosing X or Y it's a, it's a choosing a lifestyle committing yourself into pursuing justice, not clicking justice. So it's a, it's a much bigger commitment, as your grandfather beautifully put it, than just making simple choices here and there. So I'd like to offer a, a, a ray of hope as well, it, you know, being raised in the heart of the American middle-class Jewish community in America. I'm from Los Angeles. I mean, I didn't know Jews were a minority until I was uh, you know, <laughs> 10, 10, 12 years old. It, I, I you, you thought you owned the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all my friends, I mean, everyone. And so I want to offer a counter-narrative you should know about, maybe you already know, but, but that is that I think I'm speaking somewhat representatively. You were born and raised in Turkey. Yes. We'll get back to the fact that my family is also Turkish, so uh, we're, we're Lansmen. Oh my <laughs> God, you should have told me <laughs> right at the beginning. Be, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm Ladino speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sephardi. Yeah, oh exactly. my goodness. My family speaks of Turkey with love 
and with mm. um, a little bit of nostalgia. Mm. Uh, it's not the same as Ashkenazim who speak of uh, the pogrom-ridden, <laughs> you know, sodden, uh, muddy streets of the yeah. uh, of, of the shtetlach and, uh, <laughs> or Polish Jews. No, my my family speak of uh, baklava and spices and coffee uh, and uh, Turkish neighbors. And, you make uh, me homesick now. <laughs> <laughs> when did they leave? World War One. Uh, I, I want you to know, uh, as we close this session, I've so much enjoyed the conversation and Me meeting too. you, getting to know you, that many of us were raised, unlike the way you've described your own upbringing, mm -hmm. with an unmitigated uh, vitriol, a, a stream of vitriol of anti-Semitism. Many American Jews were raised with a, a more hopeful narrative with respect to Muslims, mm -hmm. despite being raised in the shadow of the Yom Kippur War of 1973. Right. Or many different episodes of terrorism. Exactly. <laughs> Despite that narrative, which was alive, don't get me wrong, and I, it's also my mother's milk, mm -hmm. I was also raised on the golden age of Spain. Mm -hmm. I was also raised on Saadia Gaon in Mesopotamia, right. and Maimonides in Egypt. And I Hal Halevi in Andalus. Exactly. <clears throat> I was raised, but not just that they happened to live in Muslim-majority countries in the Middle Ages, but that Islam and Judaism shared a symbiosis that was always explicit mm -hmm. in the way I was raised, mm -hmm. and that that is a language of opportunity for us in our communities, and it's, it's real. That's beautiful. It is real, and I know that our shared values in Judaism and Islam, which no religion is as identical as these two world traditions, and our relatively better history should be a source of inspiration, but our imagination should not stop there. Here, here. I think it's not making Jewish-Muslim relations great again. It's not, <laughs> it's, not the, it's, not the, it's not the good old days. I think answers that we are looking for is in the future. I think we can go even better than Andalus. We can go better than Chanakkale or uh, the kind of hierarchical peace or imperial peace we somehow, which was better than what you had in the Europe. Yeah, yeah, it's better but, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would have, there's a beautiful uh, letter of the Ottoman uh, Jewish leaders writing to the French Jews, basically saying, what the heck? Come over here. Like, why are yeah, you living right, right, here? Right, what, what kind of masochism, <laughs> what kind of suicidal <laughs> psychology is keeping you guys there? Come, we are living in an incredible society. Um, but I think what we aspire for is not the back of the good old days. There is a way in which we can create that egalitarian Jewish-Muslim relations where we see each other as an equal. And model in the United States, what would an improved, better 3.0 Jewish-Muslim relations look like? and show the world, a model to the world, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Wow, what a lovely conversation between two Turkish delights. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please join us again at collegecommons.huc.edu.